Welcome, everyone, to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, episode 134. It's Pensacon week, and today you'll be hearing my conversation with Pensacon guest and star of AMC's comic book men, Mr. Ming Chen. But first, let me tell you about our proud sponsor, Audible. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. And they have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Mr. Ming Chen. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Hello, everybody. This is Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Men, and you are listening to the Derek Diamond Experience. Sitting here with my very special guest this week, you know him from AMC's Comic Book Men, Mr. Ming Chen. Ming, how are you, sir? What's going on, everybody? Hello, I'm, I'm doing great, Derek. Thank you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I've been you know, looking forward to this uh, for the last few weeks, and you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it at some point. You'll be appearing at a convention that's in my area coming up very, very soon. But I did want to start off by asking, uh, where originally are you from? I know you're, you're in Jersey now. Are you originally from that area? <laughs> that's uh that's always a fun question i moved around so much when i was a kid like i don't even know anymore um i think i've lived in like 10 or 12 different places uh, i grew up mainly in the midwest and um that is kind of when i met kevin i was going to school at the university of michigan and uh, i was bored one day i created a clerks fan website and kevin saw it so uh, i was at the university of michigan when i met him uh years later uh, I moved to L.A. to work a year with Ben Affleck, Batman, the current Batman. And then after that, I moved to New Jersey to work uh, with Kevin. So that was I've, – I've lived in Jersey longer than I've ever lived anywhere at one time. So I've been here in Jersey for, for about 15 years. What did you do working with Ben Affleck? I, same thing. I was working on a website, and he had a startup at the time that him and Matt Damon partnered in called Live Planet. Uh, this is about 2001. They had a TV show on uh, HBO called Project Greenlight that some people may remember, mm-hmm. um, which he actually brought back a couple years ago. It was uh, it was a cool concept ahead of its time. It was an online screenplay contest where you would submit your screenplay, other people would judge it, and the one that came out on top got to make their movie. Cool. That that's really really cool. Yeah. Uh, the going back to the the clerk's website. Uh, I think you were obviously a huge fan of Clerks. What was it about that movie that you know, made you want to make a website for it? I think it was uh, probably the the one thing that hits most people who love that movie. I was working in a minimum wage job. I didn't really want to. I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life in the future. I was going to college and you know I was majoring in something. I wasn't really interested in it. And um, I you know the big message in that movie was uh, you know just just uh, uh, you know, do something or you know, shit or get off the pot. So that uh, that that was a big influence on that. And I was like, you know what, just uh, you know, pick something, get do 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 so, do something you love. And um, uh, the website kind of came about uh because I was bored. I was just bored. I had a two week stretch where I really had nothing to do, and um, I was learning how to build websites. 
and I was like, why not? Why not? Uh, why not do one on that movie I just saw? That weird black and white movie with all, with all the uh, all the bad language in it. So uh, so I did it. There are a couple of clerk sites out there, but I really I wanted to do I wanted to make the best. And uh, the way I made it the best was uh, I went over to Tower Records when that existed. I ended up buying the Laserdisc. Um, I don't know if you remember those. Wow. <laughs> so back then, Laserdiscs were known for having uh, special features on them and deleted scenes. And what I ultimately did was I took all the deleted scenes, uh, I ripped off all the special content, and I put it all online, not really giving a crap if I was violating any copyrights or anything. And uh, Kevin actually saw it a couple couple weeks later and gave me a call and said he liked what I did, which was cool. Most uh, most filmmakers and most companies probably would have came down to me and told me, you know, probably would have sent me uh, one of those cease and desist letters or something. Um, but instead, uh, he uh, he asked me to create a website for his up and coming production company. So this was around uh, this is right before he started shooting Chasing Amy. So um, that uh, Kevin Smith is a man who is always one step ahead of everybody else. It's interesting you say that because there's a saying that I've heard quite a bit. It's better to ask forgiveness than permission. So the fact that yep. you didn't ask permission for to use all of that material was really the kind of the thing that kind of got you to where you are now, or at least was part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I say, uh, you know, until people start asking questions, just, just go and do it. And uh, maybe uh, seven times out of ten it will work out for you. Or maybe lower, but it worked out for me. Yeah. Kind of going back to the actual movie clerks, I think you really hit the nail on the head as to why that movie is so popular is because everybody who works, you know, a, a minimum wage job, works at a convenience store, really is just an everyday person, can relate to it because it, it's it's the story of the everyman. Yeah, just people being trapped in places they don't really want to be. And, um, you know, what's next? What do you... What, uh, how do you get out of that? And, uh, the, and, uh, also with that, uh, you know, you get wacky characters like Jane Sound Bob, who I'd also never, I've never seen characters like that before. <laughs> I became fans of them immediately. And, and later on, I, you know, I found out the Jay character was pretty much playing himself. That, you know, that, that just made me more of a fan. Yeah, there's only one Jay and Silent Bob for sure. Like, there's no oh, other, yeah. you know, movie or real life duo that, that are like them. Now, you're involved with the show Comic Book Men. Were you into comic books as a kid? Uh, I was. I think every kid is into them. Some, uh, some, some more than others. I, uh, I got into comic books when I was about six years old. Uh, I was given a comic in in school, and uh, became hooked right away. I think uh, you know throughout the years I fell in and out as I discovered other interests and stuff, and uh, I got really back into them uh, near the end of college, and I never looked back. Uh, if you look at the other cast members, uh, Walt Flanagan and Mike Zapsik, those guys are awesome because they never they never fell out. I think Mike and Walt probably started when they were about three or four years old, and uh, they never stopped. So uh, that's why their knowledge about uh, the uh, the Silver and, Bron and Bronze Age, and just their knowledge in general is way better than mine. What were some of your favorite comics growing up? I think growing up, uh, my first comic uh, that I ever got was The Avengers. Loved The Avengers. Love Batman, love Captain America, and uh, I, you know, I get made fun of this all the time. But I, I love Archie and Richie Rich as well. Um, I think uh, those were those were definitely staples in my in my life, and uh, it, they they count as comic books. And uh, and and then later on, uh, when I got into college, that's when uh, comic became more 
adult DC had launched Vertigo and and uh, Image had launched Spawn, and uh, those darker, more adult storylines really, really, um, really got me back into comic books when I we when I was uh, eighteen, nineteen years old. It's kind of how the same it was for me. I remember the first comic I ever bought was an old Sonic the Hedgehog comic, which was done by <laughs> done by Archie. This was probably mid nineties, I would say, and I yeah. you, you collected those for a while, fell out of it, and like you, I got back into it through through college and finding the uh, the infamous Batman Year One book. Oh yeah, and that was kind of you know what got me back into it, and I, I think you know that during that time when comics became more adult, it appealed to the people who are you know around our age or even a little bit younger because. The comics kind of grew up with us. Yeah, that's cool. God bless Frank Miller. It was, um, for for most people, Kevin included, is either a Batman Year One or uh, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, both of those are are really really good. It's kind of tough to choose between the two. They're both so good. It I, is. That's why I buy, that's why I bought both of them. So <laughs> yeah, why have Sorry. one when you can have both? Yeah, everyone should have both of them in their libraries for sure. Now, how did you get involved with the show Comic Book Man, or how did the show actually start? The uh, the show, uh, like everything else Kevin does, show started uh, in an odd way. I think um, from from what I was from what I was uh, I was told, uh, Walking Dead after season one uh, became such a big hit that uh, originally they wanted a show that they could put between seasons to keep the interest uh, of the audience and. Um, uh, you know, little did they know it would become this huge phenomenon. It, it would have gotten really pretty good ratings, but they wanted something between seasons to uh, to just uh, keep people's interest. So they figured that since Walking Dead was based on a comic book, that they would do something comic book related. And um, I think AMC was like, okay, great, we'll do something comic book related. Uh, you know, what what should we do? And they went to the king comic book geek himself, Kevin. And they were like, "Hey, Kevin, what would you do? What would you do? What, what would your idea for a show be if you, uh, if you had it revolve around the world of comic books? Uh, that would be engaging and interesting." And he was pretty much kind of like, "Well, why don't you just rip off that show Pawn Stars, but instead of uh, you know antique documents and, and muskets and stuff, why not focus on vintage toys and comic books?" And uh, that's that's uh, and lo and behold, uh, six seasons later, uh, we have. We have comic book men, and um, uh, so far so good. I, I guess uh, again he was right, like always. Yeah, it's one of those shows that you know I think really even people who aren't huge into comic books can enjoy because everyone, whether they admit it or not, had some type of you know Spider Man, Captain America, Marvel, or DC toy growing up, and really the a highlight is when people come in. And they bring in, you know, all the old toys and stuff. I remember the, I can't remember what the names of them were, but they were the little stuffed toys with the plastic heads. They had like you had uh, oh, Spider Man, yeah, Migos, yeah, Migos, Migos, yeah. And I remember seeing those and like I showed those to my uncle and he was like, "Holy crap, I had those when I was a kid." So just seeing stuff like that, you know, it kind of brings you back to being a kid again. Yeah, I think uh, even if you're not into comics, uh, especially in this, even in this day and age, uh, you know, you look at all the kids running around. Most of them are wearing uh, Spider-Man shoes or Avengers T-shirts, even if they don't really read the comic. They they're aware of the characters, and uh, if you go to some of the old, you know, the more old school guys, uh, you know, everyone's everyone's owned a toy, everyone's played with a toy, and uh, it's it's cool when I get messages on Twitter or whatever 
uh, going, oh my god, that that toy you just had on the last episode, I had that. I played with that. I played with it till it broke, and then I went and bought another one, and then my mom threw it out. You know, there's always a story behind that toy. So I think uh, I I love that. I'm a, I'm a toy guy myself, so I I understand all the to- all the stories behind that. Out of all the stuff that people have brought in over the various seasons, what in your mind, like, what was the one thing that someone brought in that just made you say, holy shit, I can't believe that I'm actually looking at this? <laughs> uh, I mean, I've had a couple. Uh, the one, uh, the, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of G.I. Joe. So uh, one time uh, a guy brought in the uh, the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. It's a seven-foot-long plastic aircraft carrier mm-hmm. that I'd wanted, like, more than life itself when it came out um the toy was very expensive and it was big and my my parents would never buy it for me and i had no means to save up that much money so i never got it friend of mine got it got a kid i didn't really like all that much and uh he let me play with it but <laughs> but uh you know those memories always stayed so 30 years later when a guy brought it in on the show i had to have it so i ended up buying it yeah i i do remember that episode yeah it was people bring in some insane stuff and I, I can just imagine what's going through your guys' head when people bring that stuff in. Yeah, or uh, sometimes you don't even have to imagine it. You can see the look on it. <laughs> that's uh, our, true. Our, our, our reactions are genuine on the show, for sure. And and that's another thing that makes it so great. Out of all the the seasons you know that you guys have done, what off the top of your mind is like the funniest or craziest moment that you guys have had on set of the show? Uh, there have been a couple. Um, Stan Lee coming in. Um, he's he's actually stopped in twice. Uh, always, always, always a crazy moment, just because uh, to us, Stan Lee is a god. Um, a guy who's created so many awesome characters that shaped our life and made our lives so much more entertaining. That uh, to have him and he's such a he's such a cool guy. Like he might be the coolest guy in existence, actually. And uh, to have him, you know, coming into our, our humble little store in Red Bank, New Jersey, and being on the show with us is always, always pretty huge. Also, uh, we've had a couple of cast members from uh, the original Star Wars trilogy, which is always mind-blowing. So uh, we had Peter Mayhew and uh, Billy D. Williams. And, uh, you know, if you ask me uh, as a 6-7-year-old as a, uh, six seven year old sitting in a theater watching Empire Strikes Back, or four-year-old watching Star Wars, if uh, you know, I, I would remember if I would ever think uh, if I, you know, that I'd be meeting Chewbacca and uh, and Lando Calrissian. Uh, I think uh, I, you know, I'd tell you that you were nuts. So uh, things like that have always been mind-blowing. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I mean, the list goes on. Adam West. Um, I grew up watching the original uh, Batman '66 uh, every day after after school when it was in syndication. So things like that. These are these are people who are legends and gods to me, and uh, to have them in front of me. And to have it documented as well, where uh, you know later on my kids can co- can go back and watch the comic book man library and see that I met these guys is pretty cool. Yeah, it's interesting when you you meet people that you know you grew up watching, whether it be like from a movie or a TV show. Nine times out of ten, you know when you meet them, you're just like after you talk to them for a bit, you're like, oh, they're just they're just regular people, and but still, it's a really cool thing. You know, I I couldn't imagine. Just meeting like Stanley. I've never met him. I've met uh, Peter Mayhew and Billy D. Williams, who were both here. I think the the first Pensacon, and they were both really really nice. So it was was really cool meeting them. Yeah, it's just having those guys in front of you, just uh, what they've done and how they how they shaped and changed our life. Uh, You know, through a movie, 
through a through a space opera. Um, you know, uh, um, on the surface, it seems pretty seems pretty absurd, but um, I mean that 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 trilogy means so much to me that uh, uh, it's uh, it's it's it was just it was just really cool to to meet them. Star Wars is one of those things, you know, when people ask me why I'm such a huge Star Wars fan, and I, I'm sure it goes the same for you, it's it's more than just a, a movie franchise. It's a part of your childhood, and it's really a part of your life, and you, know, you follow these characters and and you know throughout your entire life, and it, to me it's not about the the special effects, the lightsaber battles, it's, it's the characters. You know, you fell in love with... Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Chewbacca. Uh, it, it's it's just an awesome franchise, and I'm I'm glad they brought it back. Yeah, because I was. Oh, oh I, yeah. <laughs> I don't oh, know. If, I don't know if it was the same for you when they when Disney bought Lucasfilm and they're like, oh, we're bringing back the the trilogy. We're doing episode seven, eight, and nine. I'm thinking, well, for one, I never thought it would happen, and two, what's it going to be like? So now that I know you're a huge Star Wars fan, how was it for you when you went and saw The Force Awakens? It was a it was a pretty cool uh, and emotional experience. Um, my dad took me to see the original Star Wars, so I thought it was really cool that um, thirty years thirty plus years later, I'm able to take my kids to the theater to enjoy a Star Wars movie, and we all got to enjoy it for the first time. And I thought that was really cool. And, um, you know, hopefully, I don't know if they'll remember that as much as I did going to see Star Wars, but, you know, maybe they will. And, um, and it, it was cool. They, they loved it as much as I did. And, uh, just seeing that opening crawl was, um, somewhat emotional. It was just, it was just, it, it was, yeah, it was just, it was just a great, it was a, it was a great experience. And, and, um, like you said, uh, I, you know, when I was in grade school, I'd heard rumors that Lucas had mapped out nine of them. And, um, after the uh, after the prequels, I thought for sure there's no way they were going to make the back half. And then all of a sudden, we hear stories that it's in production. We see we see pictures, and then all, all of a sudden it's out. So uh, I I just love that it, it just keeps going. And uh, not only that, not only does it keep going, but it's 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 uh, it's being well done again. Before we continue this awesome conversation with Ming Chen, I have to remind you that for you, the listeners of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And they have a ton of books to choose from, over 180,000 that you can download for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or your MP3 player. They have books like Lord of the Rings, Mass Effect, Halo, Gears of War, wrestling books. They have autobiographies. So many books to choose from. I'm personally listening to Star Wars Bloodline. And it's a lot different than just listening to, like, say, an autobiography where you just have someone reading the story. With Star Wars books, they have the music, the sound effects. You really feel like you're in the Star Wars universe. So it's more than just an audiobook. It's an experience. So again, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download today. I think one thing that's really cool, too, the, the spinoffs they're doing, just apart from the what they call the Skywalker saga, like I, did you see Rogue One? I did. I loved Rogue One. Rogue One was great. You know, seeing stories like that that don't really have to do with the, the Jedi or the main set of characters, 
I think are really cool. I, I'm interested to see how they do the Han Solo movie because I can't remember the guy who's playing him, but he's got. I think the expectation is going to be a little different because it's about a known character, right? And having a different person step in for Harrison Ford is is going to be very interesting. Yeah, and uh, this one, um, yeah, uh, now that you know, there's going to be a lot of action involved in uh, you know the Star Wars canon. But uh, I'm I'm excited to see the humor. I think uh, Han Solo has always been that guy with that that uh, that that kind of dry, uh, you know, cocky humor that uh, makes up his character. And uh, I'm 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 hoping the writing uh, is uh, is amazing on this one. Hopefully so. What's your favorite Star Wars movie and your favorite moment in the entire Star Wars saga? Uh, what a great question! I think the movie, uh, like most people, I think Empire Strikes Back is probably my my favorite, my favorite of the the whole the whole saga. Um, I, I I remember sitting in the theater uh, watching the Hoth battle and then uh, seeing the adats come out, and I'm like, what what the heck are those? <laughs> and I, I fell in love with it immediately, just how big they were and how much destruction they caused. And then they came out with the toy later on. Um, and that was uh, yeah, that was. That's pretty cool. Uh, favorite moment, um, man. That's a great. That is a great question. I th- I th- I think I just I think that might be my favorite moment is when the edits came out and the whole the, actually the whole Hoth battle was so unexpected. I thought, uh, I you know up until, I, I guess I thought all the battles took place in space that uh, everything took place in a starship, and um, I, I didn't I didn't know there was a whole snow planet with snow speeders and these big walkers. And um, I, yeah, well, I think there's um, there's uh, there's a scene in Empire where somebody's looking through a pair of binoculars and you see the Adat's feet and they pan, they pan up and they pan up and they keep panning up and then you see the head of the Adat and you see how big this thing is, and uh, and you start to hear it coming toward you. I think that was probably that was also my favorite moment. I think the cool thing about the Hoth battle is it almost felt like, uh, like an almost recreation in a way of like a World War One or a World War Two. Yeah. Type setting. Yeah, with the trenches and uh, the artillery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think that was all done on purpose as well. I, I sure. think so too. Kind of shifting from Star Wars to you know the Marvel DC cinematic universe because the the movies have really made you know being a geek cool. You know we oh. had you know, the first Iron Man came out, which is crazy to think you know almost ten years ago. And from there, you know, we've gotten the Avengers, Thor, now we've got a new Spider-Man, Black Panther, and DC starting their movies as well. What are your overall thoughts on the Marvel and the DC cinematic universes? I, uh, I, I, think, I think everybody else, else will be in agreement with me that the, uh, the Marvel movie universe is, is, it kicks ass. It's amazing. It, uh, they've, they've done all those movies almost perfectly i think in capturing the uh the characters and the tone and uh the in the storylines and uh yeah i i'll start off with that that the uh the first iron man and um uh, i you know i love how they you know they did the individual stories with some of the sequels and then they brought them all together for the avengers uh that was exactly the right way to do it um you know once they got into the avengers you didn't have to worry about backstory or any of that Anything, any, uh, any of that slowing it down, and they were the, able to get right into it. So, uh, and um, I love that they're able to make uh, huge blockbusters out of characters that were previously 
pretty obscure ant-man black panther um you know we're getting a thanos in a movie which uh you know the average person on the street uh would not you know is not aware of uh you know a giant uh ape that can destroy everything um and then uh and they you know they've knocked the guardians of the galaxy franchise out of the out of the park they uh they they put a lot of time and thought and good writing and thankfully a lot of money into it and it's definitely paid off for uh, for disney uh, DC obviously has uh, a lot of catching up to do, uh, but I think with the hiring of Jeff Johns uh, to head the film division, I think uh, they're going to be moving more in a uh, in a right path. Uh, you know, their their uh, their movies not you know not as good, and um, and uh, I think uh, they I think you know they're well <laughs> I'm sure they're well well aware of this and how to fix it. So and it might take a little time, and they're definitely behind Marvel, but uh, I think they will. I hope so, and I will say a lot of uh, criticism that I hear, and I'm sure you hear as well from the DC movies, is that they're not the same as Marvel. You know, they're the they look different, they feel different. There's different acting, but if they were the same as Marvel, you know, what point would there be in watching it? You know, if you want yeah. to watch a Marvel style movie, just watch a Marvel movie. Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, you know, I applaud them for going with a darker tone. Um, but I also agree with a lot of people when uh, they say, um, you know, the DC movies just, they're not as fun. They're not as fun as the Marvel movies. And, um, you know, it wouldn't hurt to inject a little fun in there. It would, definitely wouldn't hurt. And it looks like from the trailers we've seen from Justice League that they're kind of leaning into a bit of a lighter tone. Yeah, which, uh, you know, as, as long as it's not too light, um, you know, a little fun goes a long way, I think. I and, think and, so too. You know, and then in the end, you know, you're, this is uh, uh, you're, this is a movie based on comic books, which uh, we read for fun. So, absolutely. Kind of switching from movies to podcasting, you know, Kevin Smith is known for the the entire Smodcast network, and you do a podcast with Mike Zabsik called I Sell Comics. Now, how exactly did you guys get started with that? Uh, I saw Kong exactly actually started uh, as a joke. Um, Walt Flanagan had suggested that me and Mike do a podcast. Um, I had podcasted before Mike really hadn't, and uh, he uh, he thought by getting us together that it was going to crash and burn, and uh, and it and it didn't. It was actually good. So um, uh, we recorded a couple episodes um, of a. Um, of a podcast together. It went really well. Kevin heard it and told us to keep going. So, and, uh, 252 episodes later, we're still going. So yeah, it was, um, I don't know why Walt thought, uh, we were going to suck, but, um, <laughs> I, I don't know if, uh, based on our everyday conversations, maybe he thought we wouldn't be able to handle it or, uh, we would be just kind of dry. But, um, yeah, this is, uh, probably back in 2011. So, uh, what started as a joke became a pretty cool podcast, I think. Wow, 252 episodes, that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Yeah, congratulations on that, because that's... Thank you. Getting, you know, to 200-something episodes, even getting to, like, 100 or 50 oh, yeah. is, is a major accomplishment. So to get to over 250, that's that's awesome. Yeah, that's... it's and, and uh, you know, at the, at the heart of it, we discovered that, man, this is fun. You know, this is really, really fun. There's something uh, we get to talk about something that we love and and um, it's something we want to do once a week. So so I you know uh, you uh, you know from uh, you know you speak from similar experience I'm sure. Yeah, podcasting is is a great outlet to just talk about things that 
you know, you might be thinking of throughout the week and you don't really get to express it because you might work with other people who don't have that same interest. So if you have a group that, you know, you talk comics with or you talk movies with or, you know, whatever the subject may be, and it, it's really that easy to do is just you just yeah. sit down. Hopefully everyone has, you know, an individual microphone or if not, then just having one is fine. And you just hit the record button and go. Yeah, it's it's really great. Um, it's funny. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I never I never thought I wanted to be a podcaster. And then when Kevin started, I was like, well, uh, of course, this is a natural fit for him. This guy loves to talk. This is uh, the perfect medium for him. And by doing it podcast style, he has no restrictions, and he can do it around his busy schedule. He can do it whenever he wants. Um, and then I, I guess when I started, I was I, I kind of remember back in high school how you know I, I had dreams of being like a pirate radio uh, DJ, and uh, and I remember seeing the movie Pump Up the Volume with Christian Slater, and how cool I thought that was, and um, and uh, yeah, th- those memories kind of came back. It's like, oh yeah, I guess uh, you know everyone's got a little podcaster in them, and uh, everyone should should start and at least go for a couple episodes and see if they uh, they want to keep doing it. Yeah, everyone should definitely at least try it because you know, even Kevin Smith has said it himself. Really, anybody can do a podcast. All you oh, need yeah. is all you need is a microphone, some decent editing software, which you can get you know Audacity for free. Yep. Yeah, and then and, just send it to and, iTunes. Yeah, and an opinion, and that's it. Yeah. That's all you need. <laughs> that's great. No, it's, it's absolutely awesome. Now, something we were talking about before we started recording are conventions. Yes. And, and you were talking about how you love to appear at conventions. How long have you been doing cons? I've been doing cons for a little over three years, and I I, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's something uh, – well, I guess uh, this all stems from me loving comics as a kid. I would go to conventions as a kid. Back when I was going, they were in church basements, and I remember going to a couple of that, uh, cons that were at the mall. They were like near the food court, and they were a lot smaller back then. And then they, they started growing, and they became this huge phenomenon that we have now. But uh, I, you know, I, me and me and Mike and Walt, uh, we loved going to cons even before they blew up in the, this huge, uh, these, these huge, hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand people uh, weekend events. So, um, so I, I loved it from there. And then, uh, once I started getting invited as a guest, I think the experience is even better in my opinion. Uh, I get to be on the other side of the table now, but, uh, you know, now if I want to come early and, and walk the floor and talk to the vendors, I can, uh, I get to meet the other guests that are at the convention. And, um, yeah, I, 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 the, and I, at the heart of it though, I love, uh, you know, if you, if you like the show, and uh, and you're in the area, and uh, it's a way for me to come to you. And uh, you know, we can talk about the show, we can talk about Star Wars, we can talk about Game of Thrones. Uh, it's pretty much uh, every weekend uh, a, a way for me to hang out with people who have the same interests as I do, and uh, I absolutely love it. And one convention that you'll be appearing at very soon is in my neck of the woods, Pensacon, which is February 17th, 18th, and 19th at the Pensacola Bay Center. And you were also telling me off air this will actually be your first time here. Yeah, absolutely. I've never been to Pensacola, and uh, I'm excited about this one. I've I've heard for years about how cool this one was and uh, how cool this convention is, how the whole city pretty much embraces it. And uh, you know, right when you step off the airplane, uh, they change the airport uh, from Pensacola Airport to the Pensacola 
international spaceport, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I and uh, the whole airport's decked out in geek stuff. And uh, I love that. I love uh, I love it when the cities get involved as well because uh, like not only does that validate what we do, but um, you know the city should get involved. The uh, the uh, they're they're you know we're we're going not only we're we going to the convention, but we're we're uh, you know we're we're going to the businesses that are in the city. We're eating at the restaurants. We're uh, we're injecting into their economy. So uh, I really, I'm I'm hoping to see more cities uh, embrace the convention weekends. I think that's something that kind of makes our convention unique. Is like you said, the whole city embraces the convention. You you've got the con itself going on, but then downtown you'll have a restaurant that's decked out in Harry Potter stuff, and they have a Harry Potter themed evening. Yeah. Same thing with Walking Dead. Uh, I remember our, a local music hall we have here did a uh, Doctor Who party the the first year, and I can't remember the guy's name for the life of me, but the guy who played Hodor from Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He did, uh, he was a DJ at yeah, the party. He, he's actually a really good DJ, he's a great DJ, so that, uh, yeah, if you can go out and, uh, you know, trip out with him, it's, that's uh that's pretty cool. I think um and I I think I just love this uh there used to be a time there would be maybe a little convention in a city and uh you know you would see people walking around in cosplay and people would scoff at them and you know tell them that were they were weird and uh that's not the case anymore. People embrace the cosplayers now and the uh the convention itself. So it's um yeah, it's my hope that the entire city will the entire cities will embrace all this. It could happen. It could very well happen. The whole convention industry is just huge. It seems like every city does some type of a con these days. Yeah, and I I love it. Where uh you know and where I grew up, uh, I think there'd be one, maybe two a year. And uh, yeah, you're right. Almost every city, no matter how big or small, has a has some sort of convention now, which is which is great because I think in every city there are comic book there are comic book and pop culture. And, uh, you know, geeks, they're geeks, we're everywhere. It's come a long way since only hearing about San Diego Comic-Con. Now there's one in New York, they have Wizard World. I remember the first convention I ever went to was Dragon Con over in Atlanta, and that was like a a culture shock to me because it was so big. Yeah, and it continues to be, I think it just keeps growing, which is great. Mm Mm-hmm. So if anyone listening has never been to a convention, there I'm sure there's one either in your area or close by. Do yourself a favor and go. You will have yeah. an absolute blast. Yeah, I mean it's a you know it's a whole weekend experience. Um, you know you, you obviously you have the vendors and artists. You can buy artwork and uh, and toys and things like that. Uh, you can meet cast members from your favorite TV shows and movies. And um, well, the coolest part I think are the panels though. You can sit on a Mm-hmm. A 45-minute to hour-long panel with the stars or of your favorite TV or movie, or with the creators of your co- favorite comic book, you can interact with them and ask questions. Um, to me, the panels are actually the heart of the convention experience. They're a lot of fun. They're they're a great way to to learn more about you know like a celebrity that you grew up you know watching, say on like Power Rangers or yeah. you know another type of show. You'll learn new stuff about them. So it's yeah. it's really cool. It's funny, a friend of mine and I were joking about how many woos we might hear during the Ric Flair panel. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, get 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 ready. There's going to be a lot of them. Uh, uh, yeah, Ric Flair is such a cool guy that um, uh, I, I, I've i seen him at a, at a bunch of cons, and um, it, it, uh, it never gets old, my friend. That's awesome. 
I, I Pensacon's going to be a lot of fun. They're, they've got a really stacked lineup, and you know, we're looking forward to having everybody there. So it's going to be a fun weekend. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And I'll see you there, obviously. Yes, I will be there okay. all three days. Fantastic. So I'll definitely be sure to come by and you know introduce myself face to face and everything. So that's great. And uh, actually, one thing I've 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 been noticing uh, has been happening a lot more is uh, a lot of conventions are now bra- bra- they're embracing podcasters. Uh, mm-hmm. There's one convention I go to in Houston where uh, they let podcasters set up. Uh, they'll send them guests for interviews. And um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of podcasters are actually on the con floor now. Interviewing uh, fellow guests, interviewing uh, attendees, um, and uh, promoting their own network. So uh, I think uh, this is the future, my friend. So uh, we're in the we're in the right boat. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we've there's like a few podcasters. You know, I know a few that are in the area that also do podcast YouTube shows as well. And we all kind of go as a group. We're doing a a podcasting panel on oh, Friday. Great. So yeah, it, is, it, it's. It's a lot of fun. You know, it's fun kind of being on both sides of the fence. You know, going to a, a panel as a fan is great, and then actually being a panelist and getting to to talk with people because you never know who's sitting there and like, you know, I want to do something like this, but I would have no idea how they could learn the first steps from your panel. So, yeah, exactly. And um, and uh, any podcasters listening here coming to the con. Uh, bring a recorder. Uh, me and Michael are always up for a short interview. Um, you know, creating a little content for your own podcast. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, unless the lines are crazy long for somebody, uh, don't be afraid to ask a, a guest or artist or creator. Uh, you know, for a quick interview. Um, you know, more, more often than not, they'll they'll grant you one. And uh, that's that's uh, that's pretty cool. You need content for your podcast. Absolutely. Now, in closing, what's your social media for uh, so our listeners will be able to follow you and see what other cons you get to go to? I uh, I'm not hard to find uh, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm uh, Mingchen37, M-I-N-G-C-H-E-N 37. On Facebook, you just search Mingchen Comic Book Men, and uh, I think uh, I'm I'm on YouTube. I'm on Snapchat, and I'm I'm on I'm on pretty much everything. Fantastic. Well, Ming, in closing, I'd like to say uh, thank you very much for taking the time to do the interview. It was a blast talking with you. Absolutely. And and I look forward to meeting you at Pensacon. I'll see you soon, my friend. My thanks again to Ming Chen for having that wonderful conversation. Be sure to check him out at Pensacon if you're in the Pensacola area this week. Again, if you want to get tickets, just go to Pensacon.com. You don't want to miss out if you live in the Gulf Coast area. And be sure to follow Ming Chen on social media as well. And don't forget, you can check out past episodes of this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. You can also follow me on social media. I'm now on Instagram. Just search for at Podcast on Instagram, and you can follow me there. Every Monday, I post a 60-second preview of that upcoming week's episode and other random pictures as well. Instagram's been a lot of fun. You can also search for The Derek Diamond Experience on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. My personal page is at Derek underscore Diamond. And the show page is at D Diamond Podcast. And I believe that does it. So enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond. And we'll see you guys back here next Tuesday.
been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. Are you looking for new original music? If so, you should check out my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. The Unicorn Wranglers are very important to this podcast. They're a local indie rock band based right here in Pensacola, Florida, and they supply the theme music that you hear at the beginning and end of each episode. And the song you heard today is D-Rock from their upcoming album, Thunder Snow, which will be out very, very soon. But you can check out some of their past music on Bandcamp. Just go over to Bandcamp.com and search for the Unicorn Wranglers. And you can find Murder Mystery Night, 95 Flannel, and their EP Atomics for free. That's my favorite four-letter word, free. You can also follow them on social media. They're on Twitter and Instagram at Wranglers. Search for the Unicorn Wranglers on Facebook And finally, be sure to check out their website, unicornwranglers.com.